17 this evening, Luke 17. Always excited when we begin a study and always sad when we finish. We began early mid-January this series of messages on victorious Christian living. We made our way through the fall and rise of David from 1 Samuel 11 and 12. The examples and, and admonitions selected by the Holy Spirit of, of Old Testament circumstances that are to be instructive to New Testament believers. And then we studied the golden calf affair together. And that was quite, a, quite an ordeal, wasn't it, there at the foot of Mount Sinai? And then we've been considering some of the, the teachings of Jesus as regard to personal and practical righteousness. Um, these, these lessons helped me. Um, they helped me as I was, was uh, putting them together. They've helped me in, as we've gone through them together. They've helped me in meditating on them afterwards. But I, I, w- I want to give you a little something just, just about, about the Scriptures um, before we do this last lesson tonight, the Bible says that the Word of God works effectually in you that believe it. And in the months that, that we've been doing this study, some people have been saved. Some people have been strengthened in their faith and grown in their walk with the Lord. Some people have gotten some victory over sins and habits and, and things in their lives. And some people have dropped out of church. And some people have backslidden and fallen into sin. And some homes and marriages are in worse shape now than they were when we started. And listen, I'm telling you, it's great to have a good church. It doesn't do you any good if you don't let things into your heart. And it's great to have good preaching and Bible teaching, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't believe it and apply it to your heart and to your life. And you can go to hell from a good church, and you get saved and go to heaven in a bad church. Depending on what you do with the Word of God. And you can grow in the Lord and become a better Christian in a mediocre church with, with average or lousy preaching. And you can backslid and just go right back out in the world under, under good preaching and good fellowship. It has to do with your heart's relationship to God and to His words. And so, you know, this idea, people that sometimes, and, and, and look, I appreciate it. People say, well, if I could just get somebody to hear Brother, Brother James preach, you know, I try to talk to him, but, but it doesn't do any good. But, boy, if they'd listen to you preach. Look, it, it, it's not the preacher. It's not even the preaching. It's not even what's preached. You've got to believe it. Or nothing, nothing changes. Nothing happens in your heart. In fact, you can grow the worse for it. If you just, just I mean, uh, whoso, uh, he, he that be an author and reproved and hardeneth his neck, uh, so suddenly be cut off in that without remedy. And I, 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 so many times, I, I was talking to somebody last night on the, on the street over there in Daytona Beach, and, and just as, as quick as I could start a verse, that individual would finish the verse. Drunk, reprobate, blasphemous. Knew, knew everything I was about to say before I said it from growing up in a church and hearing God's Word and being made to memorize Scripture as a child. Uh, look, we can, make you, we can make you memorize it, boys and girls, and, and we can teach you the lessons and the, and the Sunday school stories and all that. We can't make you believe it. Can't make you believe it. And same, same for saved people, grown-ups. You know, we can show you what the Bible says. Remember, we started out this lesson with uh, uh, this series with four sermons on sound doctrine. And... and there's not a, I don't guess there's a, a person here that, whether they're present or not, doesn't know exactly what the Bible says. Husband, wife, parent, child, church member, Christian. Come on, we all, we all know that stuff. But it's not going to affect our lives until we believe it. Really, truly believe it. I, I've always noticed how the news media, when they're writing a story attacking some fundamentalist Christian, they always have a paragraph about what that Christian believes. Because they know. They know what our doctrine is. They, they know what our, our statement of faith is. They just don't believe it, so it has no effect upon their life. And so I, I, I want to be, and I, I hope that, that you are and have been, one of those who's benefited from hearing the Word of God, not one of those who's just sat through it and been unaffected. 
And we can all do that, whether it's for a, for a single service or for, for years of our life. I, I marvel. I, I, guess, I guess you do too. But I, do, I, I see where, where some people are today in their lives that, that are, are, they're not here anymore. They're, they're out there somewhere. And, I, and you just say to yourself, how could a person sit in a church where the Bible is taught for all those years... And be there and be doing that and be, be justifying those activities because it doesn't matter what you hear if you don't believe it. And it doesn't matter what you know if you don't believe it. And the word, but on the other hand, it, it'll, it'll work effectually. I tell you, to change your life forever and for the better if you'll believe, if you'll believe the Word of God. Amen. All right, Luke 17. Verse number 26, um, preacher can't preach from these verses, he's, he's not a preacher at all, but uh, these, are, these are serious words from the mouth of Jesus. And the Bible says, well, let, let's just start at verse uh, number 20, when, uh, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll wish one day they hadn't tried to make demands of Jesus. When he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come... So that's, that's what's being preached and proclaimed prior to the cross. So I thought it was the kingdom of heaven. It is in Matthew, but it's not in Luke. And Matthew and Luke are both the Word of God, and they're both pre-Calvary, and, and they both happen at the same time. When the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Because well, the two kingdoms are the same, aren't they? They couldn't possibly be the same. You can see one, the other you can't see. One's physical, one's spiritual. Anyway... They, they wanted to know where the kingdom of God cometh. He said, cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. In other words, you're going you're to miss me when I'm gone. And they shall say to you, see here or see there, go not after them nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in His day. Now that's, that's not a bolt of lightning and a thunderstorm. That's the rising of the sun which brings light to the earth. And when that sun comes up in the morning, everybody knows it's up. They're not a secret sunrise. And Jesus said, they're not going to be a secret coming of Christ. Well, you know, I heard Jesus over there, you know, hiding out in the Middle East, and I heard Jesus down there on a yacht with Onassis and Jackie Kennedy and the whole gang, and, and I heard Jesus, you know, actually, he's... No, listen, when Jesus comes, every eye shall see Him. Unmistakable coming. Uh, but, but first, must He suffer many things and be rejected of this generation? That's defined in Matthew 24 as the Hebrew people. Now, here we go. And as it was in the days of Noe, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noe entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which should be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Don't you like that? That's good old King James Bible terminology. You got stuff in your house? We get, we got stuff in our house. Sometimes we have stuff in our house and we get stuffed in our house. That happens too. Stuff in the, in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. Now that's a fellow that's having trouble with the wife. Because he's on the house, he's on the corner of the house. How come he's not in the house? <laughs> that's what Proverbs says. Better dwell in the corner of the housetop than in a wide house with a brawling woman or a wide woman in a brawling house or one of those, one of those however, however it's worded there. But listen, this, oh, didn't you, don't you always wonder, what's the guy doing on the roof? But the Lord said, if, if man, this stuff's coming, don't go in there and get your stuff. Just get out. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Now, 
Charlie told us, we had to memorize a verse this week, and he said it couldn't be Jesus saves. But he didn't say it couldn't be remember Lot's wife. So, there's a good one. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Now, I don't want to get too far off track here, but, but people are off track and they want you to get off track. So, can I say something to you about preparing yourself for the coming collapse, end time, economic disaster, four blood moons and, and three dominoes and two black cats and a partridge in a pear tree. Can I, can I tell you how to be ready for all of that? You know what Jesus said? You're wasting your time trying to save your life. You're going to die anyway. See, people that think they're preparing to go through the Great Tribulation are clueless. They're absolutely clueless. You want to prepare to go through the Great Tribulation? Don't, don't pack some pork and beans in the cellar. Go to Baltimore in the middle of the riot and preach Jesus. Go to, go to the Superdome after Katrina and preach the Gospel. Go to Ferguson and stand in the midst of the looting and say, Can I tell you about the Lord? Listen, nobody's got a clue sitting safe and sound watching prophecy teachers on TV about great tribulation. You understand? Jesus, listen, here's what He said. Days of Noah, days of Lot, coming of the Son of Man. Here's what He said. Come on, you ready? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Well, I'm prepared for it. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm ready. Yeah, but do you believe the Bible? Good. See, if you believe the Bible, you know what the Lord said about preparation? Run! That's what He said. Well, i got a bunch of stuff in the house. Run! Run for your life! I asked him that a couple of weeks ago. Brother Dave was with me and this fellow, you know, he said, well, I'm a Christian. I believe, I believe that the, uh, you know, the, the rapture is going to be in, in September, and so I'm planning accordingly. What's the plan? If the rapture's in September, there, you don't need to make any plans. You need to start witnessing. You need to start getting people saved. Well, you know, we got food here, and we got water here, and we got this here. We got... It's the rapture. Well, do hook a U-Haul to your belt and get anyway. So, so I asked them. I said, "Look, you're a Christian man. Yeah, I'm a Christian man. Oh, you saved man. Yeah, I'm a saved man. Okay, let me ask you something. If the whole thing collapses, let's suppose there's not a rapture. There's just a collapse. Whole thing collapses. No rapture. Here we are. I said, as a Christian, you're a saved man. You're going to be okay eating the food you stored, looking out the window while your neighbor and watching them starve." As a Christian, a saved man, you're going to be okay with that. He looks at his wife, she looks at him. They hadn't thought about that. Well, you know, we might share a little with it. No, yeah, really, sure. Yeah, sure you are. I said, okay, no, no, wait. As a Christian, as a saved man, when your neighbors who are starving and aren't saved come to take the food you have, you're going to shoot them, right? When you got ammunition, you got you got you got your guns and you got your ammunition, and you're going to kill them, so they don't get your food. Now explain to me how that's purifying you and cleansing you as you go through the tribulation. Now think about it: the church is going through the tribulation to be cleansed and purified, and I'm going to be cleansed and purified by eating while my neighbors starve and killing them if I tr- they try to get my food. Then I'll be ready for the rapture. You know, it's really hard sometimes to be the last person in town thinking. Let's read it again. (laughs) Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. There's what the Lord said about your survival plans. What, What locks do you have on your door to keep out... The stinging serpents from the bottomless pit. You got a double deadbolt? (laughs) 
Apollyon opens, he takes the lid off the bottomless pit. And the creatures that can sting you and make you want to die and make you commit attempt suicide because you're in such pain, but you can't die because God won't let you. Those creatures are coming after you, but you're ready for them. You got a shotgun. When I get back, let me know how that worked out. I'll be gone for seven years. <laughs> Come back, you, you can give me a report on how that worked out for you. I know a fella, this back in, in 99, you know what was going to happen then. This, this guy sold everything he had, bought an RV, because the power grid was going down, we were going to lose all the electricity. He bought an RV and bought five acres of land in New Hampshire. Let me tell you something. If the power grid's going down in January, I ain't going to New Hampshire. Arizona, maybe. Guadalajara, maybe. New Hampshire. Well, they'll never find me here. They won't need to. <laughs> they won't even come looking for me. All right. Uh, here's what he said. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. What we're supposed to be doing is laying down our life for others. Anyway, uh, I tell you, in that night there should be two men in one bed. Americans have a hard time with some of these verses because we're so rich. We've all got our own, not only do we have our own house, we have our own bedroom. Well, you know, the rest of the world doesn't live like we live. Three generations of one family in a, in a two-room house and, and the men sleep here and the women sleep there and that's, that's how it is. There's nothing perverted here. Americans are perverted. Oh, two, two men are doing in a bed. Sleeping. That's what they do. Because sleeping together means sleeping. It doesn't mean fornicating. It doesn't mean committing adultery. <laughs> well, we slept together and she got pregnant. You don't get pregnant sleeping. This country, so, it's so fouled up, even I can't straighten it out. <laughs> the one should be taken, the other shall be left. Two women should be grinding together. The one should be taken, the other should be left. Two men should be in the field, the one should be taken, and the other left. You say, well, that's, that's the rapture, isn't it? He's not talking about the rapture anywhere in the passage. He's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. Then he's talking about what people are going to do like Noah and his family and Lot and his family. Now listen, Noah did not escape the flood. He went through the flood. Lot did not escape the fire that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. He went right through the thing. And you know what? He got out. His wife was dead. Noah and his sons got out. Noah's wife and their wives got out. None of the in-laws got out. None of the kinfolk got out. In the context, one is taken in death and one survives alive. And you know, it was, well, it was preparation. The two are in the same bed. It's totally random. The two are, are grinding together. It's totally random. The two, the two are in the field. You say, well, you know, if, if, the, if the guy had been ready, he wouldn't be. They're both in the field. They're both grinding. They're both in the bed. This is not escaping tribulation death by preparation. This is the Lord saying, if you're living in those times, there's nothing you can do. Now, here's the funny thing. And I, I, it's, I, I, it's just it's where we are this evening, and we'll get to the, to the rest of the message soon enough. But here, here's the funny thing. People, people always use terms that show they don't think biblically. The man who believes in conditional salvation never says, he never says, I believe I can lose my salvation. They always say, well, I just believe you can lose your salvation. Why can't you make that personal? If you believe a saved person can be lost, how come you can't say it? They always say, well, I just believe you can lose your salvation. That's interesting, isn't it? And people say, well, I just believe we're going through the tribulation. What would make you think for one minute you could go through the tribulation? You can't even mow the yard without taking a break. Oh, man, it's so hot, I've got to take a break. I've got to go sit inside and cool off and drink some lemonade. And, and you're going through the tribulation. 
I don't think so. Everywhere you go, you ride in a car. And you're going to make it through seven years of great tribulation. Your home is heated. It has central air. It has indoor plumbing. If it breaks, it's a calamity. And you're going through the tribulation. Really? I don't think so. I, you, you might get into it. You might make it a month or two. I don't think you're going through it. People always, see, they, they use these terms. They use this terminology. And, and what it shows, it shows an incredible self-confidence, an incredible lack of understanding of the Bible. I am trusting Jesus Christ. There is a time of wrath coming upon this earth, and He has not only saved me from my sins, saved me from death and hell, He has saved me from the wrath to come. Hallelujah. Now, anyway, we've got a message to get to here this evening. And the two examples that the Lord gave of conditions at the time of His coming, but He connected them to the kingdom of God, which is interesting, are the case of Noah and his day, and the case of Lot in his day. Now, one man had an excellent testimony, that's Noah, and one man had a lousy testimony, that's Lot. One man's family was fully on board, no pun intended, with, with the man's uh, testimony and, and appeal. And one man, his family laughed at him, thought he was a joke. So, neither of these men escaped based on their own righteousness. Because Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but Lot was a man who had vexed his righteous soul with the carnality and the wickedness round about him. They both escaped because they took the way of escape that was offered them. But I, I want us to look tonight as we close up this, these uh, messages on victorious Christian living. I want you to look very carefully at what Jesus said was the great danger or great sin, if you will, that characterized these times of, of destruction and wrath from God. As it was, verse 26, in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man, they did eat. Not one verse of Scripture condemning that practice or calling it a sin. They drank. No reference to alcohol consumption. God made every one of us in such a way that it requires us to eat and to drink to live. And if the Lord said, you better watch out, the days of Noah, they ate and drank. They married wives. You know who set that up? God did. You know who performed the first wedding? God did. It's instituted by the Lord. Jesus Christ said in the beginning, God made a male and female and made a husband and wife. And what God's joined together, let not men put asunder. The married wives, they were given in marriage. From the very start. Listen, there is, there is nothing in all the Bible. There's nothing wrong with eating. There's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with marrying. There's nothing wrong with giving in marriage. But here's what he said. This went on right up until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came in and destroyed them all. Well, Noah was preaching during all that time. But they just went right on eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And Noah was warning of a flood to come during all that time, but they just went on eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. You know what Jesus said? The great danger is not the evil that prevailed in the days of Noah. The great danger is just getting up in the morning and living your life and going through your daily routine and going to bed at night and just never, never considering that the clock is running out and the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh and the destruction of the wicked is at hand, they lived as though they had unlimited days to live. They didn't live as though their days were numbered. Now, this is not contradictory to what we said Thursday night, because there's nothing wrong with figuring out how you're going to eat. 
you're supposed to put food on your table. And there's nothing wrong with making sure your family's provided for. They're supposed to have drink. And there's nothing wrong with marrying and giving in marriage. And, and if, if, if you've got a son, you've got a daughter, you ought to be praying from the time they're born that God provide the right partner for them or keep them out of, out of the wrong partnership. And that, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But your days are numbered. And whether it's one by one through the door of death or the church caught up together in the rapture or you not being saved, being left behind to face tribulation times or, or, or just times as they are, tomorrow might not be like today. Have you considered God? Have you considered floods? Have you considered mass worldwide judgments falling upon the unsaved? Have you considered how little time you might have to do anything for God or anything for your neighbor? Jesus said, you know, Noah's day, they just lived like that's all they had was this life. Now, here's what's interesting. They asked him about the kingdom of God. He said, you can't see it. They asked him about the kingdom of God. He said, it's inside you. It's invisible. It's spiritual. And then he told about a people in Noah's day who apparently lived only for the visible without any thought for the invisible. They lived only for the material with seemingly no consideration for the spiritual. And I ask you, sir, and you know it's right, you're supposed to make a living. You're supposed to earn money. You're supposed to pay your bills. You're supposed to put food on the table. You're supposed to raise your children the best you can and prepare them for their adult life the best you can. But if day after day after day all you're doing is grinding at the mill and then lying down in the bed to go to sleep, you are the people that Jesus warned against when the Pharisees challenged him about the end times. When they asked Jesus, he didn't point to the wickedness, he didn't point to the evil, he didn't point to the dirty imaginations. He said, in Noah's day, they're just so busy, they never thought about me. They were just so materialistic that all their plans were for material things. And all their goals were material things. And all their sacrifice and devotion was for material things. And then, boom, down came the floodwaters. And the only thing they had left was spiritual things. And one day, whether it's death or the rapture, all you're going to have left are spiritual things. Then he says, Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, there were sodomites. But Jesus didn't say that. There were sexual perverts, but Jesus didn't say that. They were so wicked in it. But Jesus didn't say that. Here's what he said. They did eat. They drank. They bought. They sold. They planted. They built it. There's not one thing in that list that is wrong. There's not one thing in that list that is sinful. Apparently, someone all they did in no, no. Apparently, in Sodom and Gomorrah, there were successful businesses, and there were people shopping and trading in those businesses. Apparently, in Sodom and Gomorrah, there were farmers and fishermen and and bread makers and butchers and cooks because they were eating. Apparently in Sodom and Gomorrah there were people digging wells and hauling water and harvesting grapes and, and preparing the fruit of the vine because they were drinking. But they just weren't thinking much about God, were they? They just really didn't factor the Lord into any of that. The Bible says here they, they, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. There were construction workers in Sodom and Gomorrah. There were carpenters. There were, there were brick masons. There were roofers. There were, come on, it was a city like your city. What about the Sodomites? We got them, they had them. What about the perverts? We have them, they had them. But Jesus didn't point 
to the openly and defiantly reprobate. He pointed to the cars filling the highways. He pointed to the shoppers filling the markets. He pointed to the workers clocking in in the morning and clocking out in the evening. And he said, they're just going through life and by and large, they're not really doing anything wrong. They just don't have any thought for me. They just don't have any heart for me. If you probably put a put a Jehovah Saves ball cap on or an I Love I Am t-shirt and wore it in Sodom and Gomorrah, somebody would have said, keep it in the church. It's not Saturday. Because it's, it's okay, Lot. It's okay for you to be a believer, but just shut up about it. It's okay for you to, to trust God and be, be just in His sight, but we don't need to hear about it. And the great warning here to my heart, to your heart, I'm somewhat insulated. I get this, this you know, full-time ministry kind of thing, but that can become a job just like any other. Become a routine trade just like any other. It's great that you're a saved man who works a job and pays his bills. But if that's all you are, you're no different than the people of Lot's day and Noah's day. It's great that you're a saved woman that prepares the meals and puts the food on the table. Wonderful. But if that's all you do, you're no different than people of Noah's day or Lot's day. It's great. We we're planning a wedding and we're fixing up this and we're fixing up that. We're gonna and we're gonna, even going to say a little prayer before it. Even throw a little gospel message in there. That's great. Praise the Lord. What about the day after the wedding and the week after the wedding and the month after the wedding and the year after the wedding? Is he going to have any part in that? Or is it just going to be buying and selling and planting and building and eating and drinking? And So what Jesus said is, Everybody in Noah's day wasn't a murderer. But pretty much everybody in Noah's day was living like there was no God. And everybody in Lot's day was not a sexual predator. But everybody in Lot's day was pretty much living like there was never going to be a judgment. It really is amazing how... People look to the world as their source of truth and not to the Bible. You know, 30 years ago, saved or lost, saved or lost, the world, the world was anti-homosexual. And because the world was anti-homosexual, the world was anti-homosexual. <laughs> You wouldn't, you wouldn't have anybody in your job say, Oh yeah, well I think they're okay. Why? Because that wasn't acceptable. Hollywood was okay with adultery, but not men with men. Hollywood was okay with fornication, but not women with women. So, so your job mates and your classmates, they wouldn't have been okay with it either. But as soon as Hollywood and the news media says it's a good thing, all of a sudden, you're working a construction job where you don't dare say you're against it. Isn't that amazing? How the world just goes along with the world and, and God can take a hike? As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Lot. Everybody wasn't doing what the worst people in town were doing. But apparently they were all okay with it. Because the only reason you wouldn't be okay with it is if there's a God. And he hadn't shown his face around these parts in so long we're not even sure he exists anymore. That's your society. That's your culture. And if you're not careful, they will have such an influence upon your life. That while you still believe in God, your day-to-day -day life will reflect nothing more than buying, selling, eating, drinking, planting, building. We'll live as though we've got an unlimited span of time. And we don't. 
we'll live as though nothing exists but the visible, and that's not true. And that's the great danger, sir. You're supposed to have a job. You're supposed to work long and hard. You're supposed to earn money. You're supposed to spend money. You're supposed to manage your family. You're supposed to be the head of your household. And that takes a lot of time and effort. But you're supposed to figure out how to do that with God in the center of all of it, not with God waiting until you've got time to fit Him in. I like like to use the example of of driving because it just amazes me we haven't all been slaughtered on the highway. 70 miles an hour, steering with a knee, drinking coffee and texting. It's not loving your neighbors yourself, but many times I've thought about getting some just gigantic concrete bumper on the back of my car and just getting in front of texters and stopping. (laughs) Some people, it's hard to concentrate on driving because they're at Carnegie Hall singing on the stage. You ever pull up by one of them? Got the, got the hairbrush. <laughs> Roll down the window. Keep it in the shower. <laughs> anyway, when these kids get their driver's license and they show up at church, you can always know that, that it's the new driving teenager. Because they're going four miles an hour. Right, hit your turn signal. Brake. Stop. One mile an hour. Here, here, here. Just here, turn signal. Turn. Watch it. Turn. Watch it. You know something? When you're learning to drive, there's a million things you got to do, and you got to think about every one of them nonstop. Now, if you've been driving a while. You can pretty much conduct business from the driver's seat. You can have you can have knockout, drag out arguments with your husband or your wife, and and and, and still drive and still manage that thing with the radio going. Somehow, we've got to get good enough at this Christian life where we can work a job and pray. Where we can have a family and be spiritual. Where we can manage money and not throw God out the window while we're doing it. If you can drive, which is the most dangerous, complicated thing probably most of us ever do. The most death-defying thing. I used to have these arguments with my brother-in-law. Lillian's, Lillian's brother, he's, he's a great guy. He's a pastor of a church. He, just, he doesn't think like me and... and, and not sure who does, but we're riding down the road one day going to going to preach somewhere, and he, and he said he's he's taking all these science classes in in school, which I, I took him too, but he was learning the stuff, and I was <laughs> anyway, and he said he said right now we're really not traveling. The car's moving seventy miles an hour. We're sitting still. I said, open the door. <laughs> He said, well, the door would be going 70, but I wouldn't. I, you know, the car, he, I said, jump out. Hey, some physics thing he was trying to explain, that he, you know, that he wasn't moving, the car, car's moving, all that kind of stuff. I don't believe that. The physics, there might be physics, but I don't believe that. Because when that car hits something and stops, I keep going, right? Through the windshield on out, out the front. So I must be moving or something. Well, no, that's the law of this and that. I, look, I don't understand any of that stuff. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand how airplane stays in the ground. I don't understand how this gigantic ship. This ship we were on, 210 feet tall and 30 feet up in the water. Well, how come it isn't doing this? It's well, they got rocks down there in the bottom. And I don't care. It don't make sense to me. None of me. How's it even floating? Anyway, so, so here's what I'm trying to say. I am trying to say something here. If you can drive a car at 70 miles an hour and listen to a radio and talk on a phone and, and hear a machine say, turn right in 500 feet and respond to it and ignore your wife while she's saying you're supposed to turn in 500 feet. If you, if you can do all that at one time, 
You can eat and drink and buy and sell and plant and build without putting God and the Bible and the Holy Spirit in a closet until Sunday morning for an hour. And what happened in the days of Noah, it could be all material or all God, but they couldn't figure out how to do both at the same time. Lot could get out of Sodom and, and, and have a little God, or he could stay in Sodom and have no God, but he couldn't figure out how to do both. And we don't know when the flood is coming, but you've got to learn to live in the days of Noah without forgetting about God. And you have reached the place in the good old USA, you have got to learn to live in Sodom and Gomorrah without becoming like a Sodomite. Well, I would never do that stuff. The stuff Jesus talked about? You do it every day. Sodomites built. Sodomites planted. Well, you know those sex perverts. No, that's not all they do. The ones that just do that, they die pretty quick. Do you know men at work on your job that, that commit adultery? Come on, anybody? You got people you work with commit adultery? Okay. Some of them probably do it with the same gender. Just because you're a homo doesn't mean you don't have a job. Doesn't mean you don't shop for groceries. Just because you're an adulterer, adulteress doesn't mean you don't earn a living and pay your bills. Okay? So, we live in a society that is full of sin and corruption and perversion. We're supposed to live differently while we work with people that are doing wrong and shop with people that are doing wrong and bank with people that are doing wrong and dwelling neighborhoods and apartment complexes with people that are doing wrong. And this is the challenge. It's for you to not forget God surrounded by a culture that's forgotten God. It's easy in here. Not so easy out there. All right, come on, take a look at this. In, in verse number 32, verse number 32, remember Lot's wife. Well, if, if, if it's Lot's wife, she's not a lesbian. Okay? So here's a married man, a married woman, living in Sodom and Gomorrah, where men had relations with men. Okay? Orlando has a sodomite parade. Everybody in Orlando is not a, not a homosexual. Some people look at me like I'm crazy. Do you... Well, Sodom and Gomorrah, man, they're all wicked. They... No. No. The city was so wicked, God destroyed it. But here's a woman with a husband. And they got kids. So it's not a, it's not a show marriage. It's a real marriage. They got they got kids. Lot's has got in laws, and they they married and all that. Okay. Some of y'all just people get nervous when I preach against it. People get nervous when I don't preach it. I'm not saying there's anything okay with homosexuality. I'm saying Lot's wife got out, and when she got out. What's she got left? Angels. God. Deliverance. She didn't want that. She didn't want that. She wanted her house and her furniture and her garden and her, what did Jesus say, her stuff. Her body was out of Sodom. And Gomorrah, but her heart was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord said, I don't want you going back. I don't even want you looking back. But she just couldn't help herself. Just couldn't help herself. Now this is what, this is what Jesus gave to me and to you. When they asked, what, what's the sign going to be your coming? And he said, he said, never mind that. 
What you need to be careful of is that your heart doesn't long for what I brought you out of. You better be careful that you're not out because you didn't have any other choice. But if there'd have been another choice, you'd have taken it because you really didn't want to get out. You know, some people get saved because they don't want to go to hell. They have no desire to live for Jesus. They just didn't want to go to hell. And as people, come on. How do you build a mega church? You put church on the sign and Sodom and Gomorrah inside the walls. Because that's where people's heart is. And what the Lord said, He said, I don't want to drag you out of Sodom only to find out your heart's still there. How's that warning? All right. Last of all, I tell you in that night... 34, there should be two men in one bed, the one should be taken, the other should be left. Two women should be grinding together, the one should be taken and the other left. Two men should be in the field, the one should be taken and the other left. Now, doctrinally, we understand. We understand. What, what we're dealing with here is during the time of great tribulation, some people are going to live, some people are going to die. And, and they're in the same location, doing the same things. That's, that's, that's what he's dealing with. But in our, in our context, there, there's this other picture of the warning to each of us to not be caught up in the conditions of the day. Correct? We're going to be living in days like the days of Noah. So let's make sure we're spiritually minded in a world that's carnally minded. We're going to be living in days like the days of Lot. Let's, let's make sure that we're, that we're seeing the invisible, not just the material. And let's not be like Lot's wife. Let's not get out, but have a heart still back in there. But if there's two men, and, and when those two men go to bed that night, they're both alive, and the next morning one of them's going to be dead. If there's two women, and they both go to work in the morning, and only one of them gets back alive at the end of the day. And there's two people out in the field. Maybe they're tossing a ball back and forth. Maybe they're, they're hunting. Maybe, but, but, but they both go out, and before, before that activity is over, one of them's dead. What could that possibly have to do with Jesus telling us how we ought to live? Well, the guys you go to work with tomorrow, are they all going to be alive at the end of the week? The people you go to school with, are they all going to live to graduate? People up and down your streets in your neighborhood, is, is there a chance that any of them might be in the obituary notice before this month runs its course? You know what he said? Look, it's, it's totally random. Two men right there, one lives, one dies. How did it happen? Who knows? What's the circumstances? doesn't tell us. All we know is one of them didn't make it through the night. So how should we be living? If there's a heaven, if there's a hell, if there's a man working right beside me who might not live out the year, should there be more to my life than buying and selling and planting and building? Should it be trying to get that man to Jesus? If there's, if there's two people sitting beside me in the classroom, day after day, week after, you, after week, and the Lord might be coming, who, any moment, could be the rapture, out we go. Should there be more to my life than marrying and giving in marriage? Should I be trying to win that person to Jesus Christ? Noah, Noah, you say he wasn't too successful, but the Bible says he tried. Preacher of righteousness, warning the world of the ungodly. Then there's Lot. Lot was just a joke. How's it going to be? I know they think we're crazy in this town, but that's okay. If there's a flood coming, somebody needs to holler. The dam's broken. The dam's broken. The flood waters are coming. Ah, you're crazy. <laughs> If fire was going to fall out of the sky, 
shouldn't you be saying something? Wouldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't somebody sound a warning? If there really is going to be the wrath of God poured out upon this world, upon the world of unbelievers, shouldn't those of us that are saved be doing something about it? Besides going to bed and going to the field and grinding at the mill? Isn't it interesting? You read Genesis, there's some horrible stuff going on in Noah's day. That's not what Jesus pointed to. You read Genesis, there were some terrible things happening in the days of Lot. That's not what Jesus pointed to. What Jesus pointed to is the fact that people should have known better and they didn't. They should have been living better and they weren't. They should have been thinking about God in their day-to-day lives and instead all they had was their day-to-day lives. May the Lord help us. Not to have a good church that doesn't carry over when we leave church. Not to hear Bible preaching that doesn't impact us any farther than the parking lot. Well, you know, I've got to go to work. Yeah, we all, we all do. Well, you know, I've got these bills to pay. I've got these kids and I've got this family. And well, Yeah, yeah, that's, God gave you all of that. It's, it's, it's all good. But somehow we've got to make sure that it's not those things over here and God pushed over here. We've got to get God and those things right there together. Right there together. And it can be done. It can be done with the Lord's help. All right, let's pray. Father, help us as we live in these pre-flood conditions. Help us as we live in these Sodom and Gomorrah uh, societies. Not to just be lulled to sleep and and indifferent and and as carnally minded as the people around about us. Help us, Lord, to have our, our thoughts, our hearts always exercised under righteousness. May we not live as fools who in their heart have no God, but may we continually, constantly be aware of circumstances around about us the need of people around about us, realizing in in our small circles in the days ahead, one might be taken and the other left. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's sing some end end of series songs here tonight before we go. 488, 488, standing in the... All throughout the auditorium, let's sing together 488. Made the death, made me free. I will sing of my Redeemer. Of the cruel cross he suffered. Of the
489 right next door, 489, glory to His name. up with 483, 483, a secular tune that got saved, 483, hope you can sing this from your heart tonight, oh how I love Jesus. Jesus. 